All right, let's open up to Matthew 28. Also, let's open up to Psalm 46. There's a scripture that all of you guys know. I think it's probably one that is printed upon canvases, coffee mugs, walls, framed more than any other script. Maybe not. It's, it's probably in the top three. But we're going to look at Psalm 46, verse 10 together. And the reason we're going to do that is there's a part of this verse that's never normally printed upon those things that totally ties into the Great Commission, which we're going to consider this morning as we wrap up the Gospel of Matthew together. I would encourage you guys, if you didn't catch last week, Pastor David did a great teaching. It is online. Check it out. It's on our website. It's on Facebook. It's on our Vimeo stuff. Uh, I encourage you to do that. And Rosanna, if you're watching this morning, happy birthday, sister. Uh, Psalm 46, let's look at verse 10 together. That's the wrong verse 10. There it is. It says, but, or it says, be still. Okay, what does that mean to be still? Sometimes we have to turn off our phone to be still. Am I correct? Right? Sometimes we have to get over our worrying, our busyness. Literally, just be still. That's one thing I love about our corporate gatherings together. Okay? We've come and we've dedicated this time to seek the Lord together. And it is good just to carve out that time to be still. And I encourage you guys to make that happen. Make it a priority daily. Be still. Why? So we can know to know that I am God. He is there. Our creator is alive. He's risen from the dead as we've recently studied together. He is there. And just consider who he is. It is good for us. It puts things into perspective. And I think it's one of the healthiest things that we can do. But the rest of the verse, which we never see upon that coffee mug, says this, I will be exalted among all nations. Is that happening today? No. Will it happen? I will be exalted among all nations. This is going to happen. And he will be exalted. And he will be exalted in all the earth. That is a promise. It is a privilege that we get to do that here today together. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you came with this morning. But the reality is, he is exalted. And when he is exalted, he'll draw all men to himself. That's pretty exciting. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 28 together this morning. Father, we do give thanks for the privilege to continue on in the study of Matthew. It's been a blessing to us, Father, over the last couple of years. And we would pray once again that your Holy Spirit would give us ears to hear, Lord, that these truths would go into our hearts and change us here in the business of transformation. We thank you for that, God. Lord, we want to be those who are able to be still this morning, Lord, to know that you are God. So we pray that you'd speak to us. I know these guys don't want to hear from some guy named Landon. We want to hear from the King of Kings this morning. So please, Jesus, Lord, let your word go deep into our hearts. We ask in your name. Amen. How many of you guys love the words of Christ? I sure do. So Christ's almost final words before us this morning. I think we should take them serious. Okay, they are marching orders for us as the church. 
And God doesn't give direction for our lives for us to consider. It's not about consideration. God gives direction, assuming participation, action, and obedience. I'm going to say that again, because a lot of Christians don't get this. God doesn't give direction for our lives for our consideration. God gives us direction, assuming participation, action, and obedience. See, he did not share a great consideration or a great contemplation. He wraps up this gospel by giving us the great commission. Okay? And his commandments we ought to do. We love him because he first loved us. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if you are a born-again Christian in relationship to the Father, you have a love relationship with him. You've understood the cross and how he demonstrated his love and you've responded to that love. You say, yes, I want to be with you for all time. Please forgive me. You are now adopted into his family where your spirit now, because you're born again, cries out, Abba, Daddy, how can you not love him and be loved by him? And if you're loving him, that's why you do what he asks. That's the fear of God, guys. Fear of God is where it begins. And a lot of people have twisted what the fear of God is. Okay? He is a living God. And to fall into his hands is a scary thing if you don't know him. But if you're his child, to be in the hands of God is the most wonderful thing of all time. And I fear as his child, the fear of God is that I'm going to do something that's going to hurt him. He loved me so much that I, he came to set me free from sin. And when I do sin, it's like slapping my dad in the face. Screw you, dad. We should fear that. I love you, dad. I don't want to do anything to hurt you. That's the fear of the Lord. Do you guys get that? Okay. That's why we obey. We love him. It's not because... Anyways, you guys get it. So, let's consider the mandate here. What is our mandate then? Well, it's to cross cultural barriers. If we've come into this relationship, we are part of the church. We are called to go, to cross these cultural barriers, to go to the unchurched to present the gospel, to tell people why Jesus came into the world. It's not so we can cut down trees, put them in our homes, and buy a bunch of presents for our family and friends. It's much, much more than that, guys. It's to present the world the good news and to make disciples and to express genuine, real love to God. So not all are called to be sent, but we're all called to be a part of making disciples of all nations. We all have a part as the body of Christ in doing this. So God has a world-sized role for every Christian in his global purposes. And this morning, my prayer has been for us as we conclude the Gospel of Matthew and we consider the Great Commission together this morning, God would give us his perspective on this. That our eyes maybe would be open to where we're missing it. Because one thing we're very guilty of and has really messed us up in the American church, we've made church all about us. It's our church, our mission give let's do this let's do that let's be happy it's all about us 
Let us give you some surveys this morning. What would make you more comfortable and happy? What do you need from the church? The American church is completely backwards, guys. And there's some repenting that needs to take place. So let's consider this morning the world-sized role here. Look at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples, they went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus goes to the mountain in verse 16. Don't you guys love that God always keeps his appointments? Okay? He always shows up. He's not going to leave you hanging like that friend. Okay? <laughs> They're going to be there for you. And then we see the mix in verse 17. Some doubted. What? He just rose from the dead. He is here literally speaking to us. And you're going to doubt? What are they doubt? Well, if you actually look in the Greek verbiage here, it's used of or to imply hesitation or an indecision rather than an unbelief. So the disciples were actually struggling to comprehend what they're witnessing. What is going on here? Jesus is now risen from the dead. He was dead. He's now alive, standing before us. He's telling us that all authority has been given to him, not just here, but also in heaven. This is crazy. God with us. What do we do with this? He's wanting us to go into all the world. You see, guys, the disciples are struggling to comprehend what they're witnessing. And some of them had great doubt when it comes to this commission to go into all the nations. Maybe they doubted that God could use them. I'm interjecting here, but I kind of would want to put myself in that camp among those disciples. Okay, awesome that you overcame sin, hell, and death and are alive, but you're wanting me to do what? Our own people are trying to kill us because we've been following you. And you're wanting us to go now to other people that we don't even know and to preach? Could you guys see yourselves maybe doubting what he would be asking to? Maybe you doubt that God can use you. If you're in that place, you have a small view of who God is. You have a small view of who you are in Christ. You need to search the scriptures. You need to get biblical understanding. You need to see God for who he truly is. How many of you guys believe that God is big? And if he is a big God, he can do big things. Amen, right? Have you guys read that he chooses the foolish things of this world? He likes to use the weak. Why? Because he's a big God and he gets the glory. I love it. So the mandate we see in verses 18 to 20, okay? It can be put this way. God authorized and commanded me to commission you to go out and to train everyone that you meet far and near in the way of life. 
marking them by the baptism of the threefold name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. That's pretty cool. So in his mandate, he points out three things for you and I. First of all, his authority here, and then his assignment and his assurance. I like that. Very simple. Okay, if we're going to go and evangelize the world to make disciples of Christ in this entire world of what? Almost 7 billion people. We need a little more than these three things, Jesus. <laughs> we, 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 need, we need more. Or again, is God big enough to do with little? Yeah. Here's a few things, and I'm going to do. So let's consider Jesus' authority here. And one thing I've loved as we've gone through the Gospel of Matthew together over the last two years is how many times we've seen him emphasize the theme throughout the entire Gospel of his authority. Jesus has repeatedly demonstrated his authority of really over all things, over the human body. How many diseases and sicknesses and healings are recorded in this gospel? Over the demons, over Satan, okay, we see the authority of Christ. We saw it over the natural elements, even the wind and the waters obeyed Christ. Over the Sabbath, he had authority. He showed his authority in his teachings, in his forgiveness of sin. And now he shows his authority even in death itself. So now we have Jesus giving us his assignment. Okay? And he assigns us to what? Go. Okay? Go to uh, participate in making disciples. So the practical point here is the going. It assumes that we are going. Okay? We should be going. In doing what? Making disciples while we're going. Do you guys get the point there? We're to be on the go. <laughs> and as we're going, we're making disciples. That's just what we do. Okay? You don't have to have a, you know, pastoral role, be a missionary out on the field to make disciples. You do it where you are. Some of it's right in your own home. Some of it is with your coworkers, your neighbors, your family. It's just wherever you're going. You know, hey, I keep bumping into the same barista at the coffee shop or at the gas station or whatever. As you're going, we're making disciples. So not, not all will be saved, but all deserve a chance to hear the gospel. Would you guys agree with me? Isn't that the heart of God? Desiring that none should perish? Isn't the Holy Spirit today convicting the whole world of sin, of judgment, of righteousness? Yeah, convincing them of truth? That's literally what it says there in the Greek. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. This is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Okay? So our commission then, guys, is not to simply win souls, but it's making disciples, which includes winning them, bringing them into Christian fellowship, and then building them up in the faith. So they were to reproduce themselves by going, baptizing, and teaching. So baptizing, that's just that public signal of identification with Jesus, of being a part of his kingdom. 
Also, we see then Jesus' assurance that he gives in this passage of Scripture. And I think it's neat, because here, go into the world, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but this is the first time in the New Testament we see the Trinity all mentioned in one verse. So, the Trinity, the formula is very mysterious and even paradoxical, but it is no way contradictory. The definition, there is one God, and he subsides in three persons. So one essence, being, but in three persons. That's very unique. Very cool. I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. We should have a hard time wrapping our head around God, okay? <laughs> it's okay. The Trinity doesn't refer to parts of God or even his roles. We need to grasp this. The doctrine of the Trinity doesn't fully explain the mysterious character of God. Rather, it really sets boundaries outside of which we must not step. So it defines limits within our finite uh, reflection. How do you prove it? Well, by showing three specific truths. There is one God, Father, and the second thing is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, truly distinct persons. And then thirdly, each has the essential attribute of deity, of being God. That's what we see taught. That is what God has chosen to reveal to us in his word about who he is. So there's modelism out there, okay? Trinitarianism, that's what we believe here at Freedom because we believe the scriptures. And then there's tritheism, okay? Now there are extremes. Modelism would be, it'd be like me saying, I'm a father, I'm a son, okay? And I'm also a husband. It's not a good picture of who God is because it's just one person. That's just me and different parts I have. No, God is actually three persons, yet one, okay? So, and he's not three separate persons, okay? He is one. Yeah, it's beyond us, but that's how cool God is. So I want you to note here, and I think a lot of people mess this up, it, it says name, not names. And that speaks to the Trinity also. And then he says, lo, I am with you always. So God is declaring, here's Jesus, God on earth, saying, I am with you always. So we are able only because he enables, guys. So Paul really fulfilled the Great Commission. You guys can jot down Acts 18. And I'd encourage you later today, go home and read through this because you will be encouraged by Paul's missionary journeys. Our kids just last week finished up the, the missions of Paul, actually studying through Paul's life and his missionary journeys. And I think that's good for us as Christians. I think the book of Acts is really what we need to be living in. Because it is, what is the Holy Spirit doing within the church? How can we be encouraged? What should we be doing as the church? Well, what was God doing in the book of Acts? <laughs> okay, Nothing should have changed. The, the Great Commission is still the same as it was 2,000 years ago. God hasn't changed. Should be the same today. So I encourage you guys, take some time. But we see in Acts 18 and verse 1, we see that Paul went to Corinth. In verse 18, he baptized them. 
In verse 11, he taught them. And then in verse 10, he knew Jesus was with them. So it's a beautiful picture of the Great Commission being lived out in Paul's obedience to go into all the world. Now, I want to consider with you guys for a moment the world-sized role for Freedom Fellowship. Okay? We're a little church. This is fun. Okay? Why? Because I think it's the way church is supposed to be. Okay? We see that God is doing things all over the world, and he has chosen to use the local church for his purposes. Now, if we're looking backwards as a church family here, what has God done over the last 12 years? Okay, Well, honoring our journey in his mission this far, I think we're just trying to keep him the central focus of what we're doing. Lord, we're looking to you, and we're going to follow you. That's it. We're not going to jump into some program, church growth thing. What do you want to do? You promised to add to the church. <laughs> You've given us marching orders. We want to be what you're into. I read a really cool quote this week. Um, uh, what was it? If Satan can't make you bad, okay, he'll make you busy. And that's one thing I see a lot happening with a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're busy doing so many good things. We're missing what God is doing. Okay? It might be things that are part of God's heart, may honor him, maybe things that we're asking. But we as a church, we really want to be in tune. Like, God, what are you doing right now? We don't want to miss what you're up to, where you're working. We want to be following you. And that's one thing that we really need to keep our eyes on him Okay, to see where he's pointing us, what he's up to. So we also get to celebrate what God has done as we look back in our rearview mirror. God's done a lot. Okay, I love what God's doing with Freedom Fellowship. We didn't try to start a church. He started a church. And we've just been faithfully going along for the ride. And what a blessing. Also, we're looking ahead. Okay, we want to continue on in the journey, but we want to be in a place believing that the best is yet to come. Do you guys believe that? Do you believe that God is doing good things? That there is still more that he wants to do? Because we see a lot of churches close up, okay? And that's God's deal, stuff. But I want to be believing, and I don't think it's just wishful thinking. I think God's laid a really good foundation here at Freedom Fellowship. Like this morning, this blesses my heart, okay? I mean, look at, most of the seats are open this morning. This doesn't happen. What's going on? Well, the Lord said, hey, I want you to go to Judea, to Samaria, and to the other parts of the earth. And I'm looking around. The reason why most our brothers and sisters aren't here this morning is because we're reaching Samaria. People are willing to drive quite a ways to come and be a part of this fellowship. I don't know if you guys feel honored by that, but I feel honored by that. God's doing something special that people are willing to drive that far that now we have a little bit of snow. Hopefully you guys are watching on TV. Love you guys. <laughs> Anyways, think about that. And then to go global. Okay, great. We're reaching our community, but we're also reaching Samaria, okay, Fox Valley, and even beyond. But how do we go global? Because God's a global God, right? And isn't that what he's asking for here in the Great Commission? 
And I think that's where it's really being in that place of believing that God has the best yet to come. We've had people go on the mission field, do internships on the mission field. That's awesome. We've sent out missionaries. Great. But is there more to do? Absolutely, guys. So I think it'd be good for us always to be in a place of retooling, refocusing, strengthening our vision. What is our vision? Well, hopefully it's the same as Jesus. Okay? Hey, I'm a global God, and I want to do things globally. I so love this world, okay, that we're taking the Great Commission seriously. So as we look around at each other, recognizing each of us have unique giftings and a role to play in this. Some of you guys might be like, hey, this is great, great vision, Pastor. It's biblical. It's right on. Glad you're going for it and wanting to see that happen. No, that's not how it works. It is the church. Do you guys get that? We are all part of what God's up to, each one of us. So we need to be in that place of, all right, Lord, what's my part to play in here? So as we're looking up, we attempt great things for God, and we expect great things from God. And I think there is strategic priorities, okay? Focusing our efforts, resources for deep and lasting impact. Okay, we take ministry seriously. Okay, we take our children's ministry seriously. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. We're a church that believes that the Bible talks a whole lot about the day in which we live today. End times. Prophecies all over the place. Things are falling into place. Things that the Bible speaks about in the last days, we could say 100 years ago, no, can't happen. Not happening. We don't see it. But just in the last 100 years, man, pieces keep falling together. Whoa! Okay, this is what you were talking about, Lord. No other time in history. And now it's all happening in our lifetime. This is pretty crazy stuff. Fun to be a part of. But in light of all of that, does the mission change? No. But I think it is more so important for us as a church to be in tune to what God's doing specifically right now. Because if we are living in a very unique time, we need to be what God's up to. But at the same time, we don't know if he's going to tarry. The rapture might happen today, but it might happen 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We don't know. We just don't know. And we take our kids' ministry seriously. Okay, We're serving our youth, pouring into them, training them, giving them a good foundation. We're not just teaching our kids biblical accounts we're actually teaching them why we can trust the word of god okay that when the enemy comes and the world comes and throws their lies and doubts they're able to stand in truth that's what we want to see for our kids why because if the lord tarries they're going to be the ones fulfilling the great commission they're going i want to be a, a fellowship that when we have a brother or sister maybe they are one of our kids step up and say hey i feel like the lord's calling me on the mission field, I want to go. But you really should do college. You should make sure you have... No, I hope that we're a fellowship that, yeah, we know you. We know our God. We know your heart. We see you living it here. We see you pouring... We know, we see you pouring into our kids. Okay? You're a student leader. You have a heart to serve. You've been sharing your faith. Yeah, we'll come around side you. We'll support you. Go. You know, we're going to help. We'll visit. What do you need? I want to be that church, guys, that is we're called, that we're willing. Yeah, we're willing to invest. We're willing to support, to go and fulfill the Great Commission. And that's where really focusing our efforts, I think, is important. 
Um, my favorite cookie since going gluten-free about six years ago is the Oreo. Okay, I miss a real Oreo. They have fake gluten-free Oreos. Have any of you guys ever had them? Worst things in the world. I miss, I miss the real deal. But the Oreo, best-selling cookie since they began to make them back in 1912. Okay, we're not really sure where the name come from. One theory is from the Greek word Oreo, which means beautiful or nice or well done. But a lot of people just speculate it's fun to say, easy to say. Let's just call it Oreo and roll with that. Anyways, it made, uh, it's made up of these two chocolate wafers, and it's got this sweet filling, okay? And they have the extra filling, you know, which one's the fat filling? Yeah, those are so good. Anyways, <laughs> one of the taglines that they have or have had for Oreos is it's wonder-filled. And I really think this kind of sums up for you and I this outline that God's given us here concerning the Great Commission. A sweet cream filling, okay, that maybe you've never tasted before in Scripture, sandwiched between these two promised wafers. First, the cream filling is what? Make disciples of all nations. So we've domesticated the gospel to make disciples. Okay, I get all this stuff as a pastor. This is how you can be a disciple-making church. You can have your little holy huddles and life groups and do this. And this is how we're going to be discipling the world. But we're not really going to the world. At least I don't know of a life group or a holy huddle group that are actually getting the gospel out into all the world. I see them being very tight-knit and having their social gatherings on a regular basis and hopefully praying for each other and encouraging each other things in the Lord. But their group is their group. <laughs> Some of them don't even allow others into their group because they've been doing it so long. It's just us. <laughs> We've been doing this for, this is my life group. <laughs> We're good. We, we don't need your problems too. So, <laughs> um, so we've domesticated the gospel to just make disciples and we've missed the pantite ethne, okay, of all nations. We can't miss that part of the scriptures, guys. We can't remove that. This is the heart of God and this is what he is calling us to. And I want us to think of nations. Don't think of some geopolitical countries or nation states like China, Syria, or Iraq Okay, think of the ethnic linguistic groupings, okay, language groups, people groups in the world, ethnic clusters. I think of the Kurdish people. They got almost 50 million people, and they have no sovereign state or nation, okay? That's the way we should be looking at the world and what God is calling us to. So they have a distinct language, culture, that makes the gospel then difficult to spread naturally, to one another, okay? I could sit down with somebody from Korea. <laughs> I'd have a very hard time sharing the gospel with them. Very hard time. Let alone even being having an opportunity to sit down with somebody from Korea. So what do we do? Well, I want to use an illustration again of food. I had pancakes. Well, pancakes have been coming up in my family this last week a lot. We had waffles the other day. So a pancake, if you started slowly pouring some really good syrup right on the top of your pancake, you, you picture that as the gospel, okay? If you start in the middle, it's going to spread, okay, to the world. 
Eventually, hopefully, it would saturate the entire pancake. You know that's good, right? When the pancake takes the syrup in, right? So take over the world. So if the goal of the Great Commission was to win as many people to Christ as possible, this would be a fitting analogy, okay? But when we understand our marching orders to all nations, it's more fitting to think of the waffle, okay? Because the waffle starts slowly, if you start beginning to pour into the middle of it, the syrup, the gospel, into the middle of the waffle, the world, where every square represents each people group, okay, out there, what about those outer squares? Okay, they may not receive the syrup, because it's kind of slow going, right? You pour into the one little square, it takes a little while, you got to fill that up, and it might trickle over into the next, into the next into the next, into the next. But hey, you guys might like the crispy edges like I do, right? And you want the syrup out there also. I think God likes the crispy edges too. He wants to see the syrup out there. He wants to see the good news going into all the world. That's what he's asked. Guys, there are 11,751 different people groups in the world today. 11,751 squares in our waffle. 7,044 still are unreached. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus is still unknown, unacknowledged, unadored. 7,044 people groups out there. Unreached. Not like your unbelieving neighbor next door. They have you. <laughs> they have access to the gospel if they want it. Unreached is someone that has no access to the gospel. They couldn't hear it if they wanted to. So does 7,044 sound like a large, too large to do? Too large for you? It's doable. There's four and a half million evangelical Christian churches in the world. That's a conservative number, by the way, guys. Four and a half million congregations that are a lot like us. This means that there are 640 churches for every one unreached people group. 640! But in our budget right now, we want some new chairs for our church. We have to redo our parking lot. <laughs> we want to put out an addition. We can't help support. We can't do nothing. We can't send any money. It's just not there. 640 churches for every one people group. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, some are in areas where you got regimes that just are hostile towards any Christians. And yes, it would be costly. But even if a small percentage of that four and a half million churches would just bless one or two people groups, think about this, guys, to labor, to pray, to give, to go, there would be a growing, reproducing church among every single group, guys. It's not that hard. 
Why aren't more people saved? Because the church isn't doing what Jesus asked us to do. Go. Okay. So what if our commission, our mandate, okay? So what is it? Well, it's to make disciples of all nations. Pente te ethne. Okay? It's not about reaching more people, but more peoples, tribes, tongues, languages. That's what Jesus is asking you and I. So now, how will we do it? I'm so glad you guys asked. With the two sandwich wafer promises here. More power, more presence. You guys see that here in the scriptures? That's how we do it. So a whole lot of churches. I'm friends with some of the pastors. They have a heart for missions. And they sure talk all about missions a whole lot. And raise a whole lot of mission support. But there's not a whole lot going on. And I think it's because we've fallen into our methodology. This is how we are going to do missions. This is how we're going to reach the lost. The program's what we're going to do to do it. I think if the promise of more power, if we really believe that, I think that's going to motivate. You know, we want to do that. We have a heart for it, but we're not really having an impact. Can't get anybody to go. <laughs> I think it's because people haven't experienced the power of God. Ah, oh, I can't do it. I'll help support somebody else to go. I mean, right here in America, we're filthy rich, guys. Man, if the church would just choose to tithe, we could support enough missionaries to go to those 7,044 mission groups alone. So, the word therefore here, it points back to a previous thought for you and I. We are able to make disciples of all nations because of the power we go forward in. So our mandate is based on the greatness of who Jesus Christ is. It's upon him. So do you believe that Jesus is great? Good! <laughs> so we do not go because people have needs. They do, and many of them are tremendous but we go fundamentally because there is no one, absolutely no one, as great as King Jesus. No one. That's why we go. We go because his worth is worth declaring. Isn't he? He is worthy, guys. He died upon that cross for the sins of the world that they may be forgiven. Don't you think he's worthy of his sacrifice? If his heart is to forgive all, that none should perish. And then he's asked us, his followers, to go into all the world to preach that good news. Is he worthy of it? Yeah, he's worthy. That's why I'm willing to serve you, God. I'm not in it for the reputation. I'm not in it for the money. <laughs> I'm not in it because my fellow man is suffering and hurting. I'm in it because you are worthy. You are great. And if you're motivated by that, guess what? You're going to keep doing it to the day you die. If you're doing it for any other reason, you're going to lose steam. Let's consider the other promises we close up here. 
It's the promise of more presence. And I think this is the muscle of missions. Lo, I'm with you always. You guys have that underlined in in your Bibles? I hope so. You see the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's nothing better than that. I love it. I get a little stressed, a little undone when I don't sense the Holy Spirit in my ministry, in my service. And that's my cry. That was my cry this morning. Lord, I need you. I need you to be with me. I feel disconnected. I was gone deer hunting last week. Had holidays this week. My routine was thrown off a little bit. I don't feel in tune with you like I normally do. I know you're still faithful. I know your word's still true. I know it's not based upon me, but I know you have a good word for your church today. We need you. And let me tell you what, guys, when we're in step with the Spirit, I think that is the most enjoyable thing for the believer because we feel our purpose. We feel that we're a part of the family business. I'm laboring with you, God. This is good. This is eternal. You're worthy. And I love this. And that's where we want to be. We're not always there, but would you guys agree with me when you're stepping out on mission and you're about our Father's business, isn't there joy? I mean, that's the sweetest joy I've found in this life. It's not always an easy thing. I'm not always happy doing it. (laughs) But there's joy. There's a real joy there. And oftentimes that's where the most happiness comes. (laughs) But we see the muscle in the presence of the Lord. So we don't go for God, we go with him. That's the point. Do you guys get that? We're not going, oh, I'm doing this for God. No, I'm going with God. That's exciting. One missionary said this, we went because we loved a people group and we stayed because we love the Lord. I like that. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 7 together. Why? Because this is happening. The Great Commission is being fulfilled. How do we know that? Because the Word of God says it. We just read it before in Psalm 46, right? Verse 10. We also see it here in Revelation chapter 7. Verse 9 and 10. After this I saw a vast crowd too great to count. From where, guys? Every nation and tribe and people, and language, standing in the front of the throne and before the Lamb. Guys, there's going to be saved people from all over the world. That's pretty exciting. And they were clothed with white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. It's going to happen, guys. I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm excited that we get to be a part of it. So why is church important? Because it's important to God's great commission, to what he's doing. And we do it together, guys. He's called the church to go make disciples. It's not being a lone ranger. And if you know lone ranger missionaries out there, and I know a lot are lonely, begin to pray for them. Encourage them minister to them, support them. That's our part, guys. Some of us are going to be called to go. 
We want to support one another. We need to support somebody. If you're not the goer. You're the sender. But wherever we go, even if it's in our own backyard, we're making disciples, guys. Does that make sense? Pretty simple. So how does that look, guys, in joining the father business, father's business? I think a big part of it is just growing. And that's one part that we take very serious here as a church. Okay, we're going to do a few weeks of some Christmas stuff as we wrap up the Gospel of Matthew here. We're going to spend seven weeks going through the seven churches that we see in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. I've been reading through. I want to get through all the epistles, okay, the pastoral epistles, all the things that has so much doctrine speaking to the church. We're going to tie in a lot into what the Spirit says to the churches there in those two chapters in Revelation. And we're going to consider what does it look like to really be the church? What is God doing? What is he asking us to do in light of that? We want to be in tune with his Spirit and what he's up to. So I encourage you guys, take some time, read ahead in those books, okay? These letters, there's much there. But really consider, what are we doing as the church? Okay? I don't want to be a church that's just going through the motions, you know? I'm, I'll quit. <laughs> I'll be honest with you guys. I don't want, I don't want to be a char- part of a church that's going through the motions. But I do want to take the scripture serious in regards to what God calls the church to, Okay? The church is here to glorify him, to build up the body for the work of the ministry. And if we're trying to make it more than that, we miss the mark because we, again, get busy doing so much stuff, we're missing what God's calling us to. And I really do believe that God is bearing fruit in our fellowship. I see a lot of people growing spiritually. It's exciting. There's a maturity there, and we want to keep growing And I want to encourage you guys, we need to be praying, we need to be seeking the Lord together as a church, because there is that growth. A lot of people come to Christ, and they don't share their faith. Oh, I'm a believer. What's my family going to think? What are my friends going to say? You know, but we're called to share. And we should be growing that we're getting to a point, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm now willing to go out and to share, to witness my faith. To a point that, hey, I've been trained. (laughs) There's training. I know how to effectively share my faith with others. Okay? And we need to get to that point. Some of you guys, well, I want to be a part of the Great Commission, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to share. Let me tell you what. Some of you guys in this room are very well versed. Okay? You know the scriptures. You know what it takes for a person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Share what you got. Share John 3.16. <laughs> you know, I know people have gotten saved just by hearing that one scripture. Share what you know. But we also want to be equipped to effectively do that. And I want to just take just one minute just to share with you guys how I share with a lot of people. I love to evangelize. I love sharing my faith with other people. Okay? Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's overwhelming. But I just suck it up and do it. Why? Because I love people, seeing people get saved. There's nothing better in this life. Okay? That's the greatest thing, the greatest gift <laughs> that I could receive in this life is seeing people get saved. I just love when that happens. But sometimes, especially on one-on-one conversations, not in a teaching setting, but just one-on-one, meeting a stranger, somebody I don't know, just simply asking the question, you know, hey, what do you think about eternity? 
Because a lot of times we just want to go preach. We want to be bold in people's faces. You're going to die and go to hell unless you repent and give your life to Jesus Christ. There's a time and a place for that. I've done that, and it has worked a few times. But I've seen a lot more fruit by asking a question, inviting a person in to a spiritual conversation. Because they will begin to speak and share what they think about eternity. Is there an afterlife? And if so, what do you think about heaven? Do you think there is a heaven? Get them talking some more. And pretty soon in that conversation, now you're talking about spiritual things, about afterlife. How do we know we're going to get there? And they'll share your, their thoughts, and then you can begin to share truth. This is what I know, and I know it's true because, and then we lay down the gospel. And pretty soon, guys, you're going to see people begin to ask you questions because you're in that place. That's just one way. There's many ways to share, but it's just getting in that place, whatever. It just might be a simple question like that. Or just asking somebody, hey, do you know that God loves you and Jesus died for your sins? Or you can say, hey, can I tell you that God loves you and Jesus died for your sins? No, I don't want to hear it. Okay. But now they know that God loves them and Jesus died for their sins, even if they don't want to talk about it. But anyways, you just do wherever, wherever you can, okay? Wherever you can. Pass out tracts. As you go, share the gospel. Be about the Father's business. Become a trained sharer. And then lastly, guys, it becomes about being a global missionary. How does that look? Some of you guys may, you know, do more short-term missions. God may call you to the mission field one day. Be open to it. What do you support? Talk with each other. I know a lot of you guys support other missions and missionaries. Talk with one another. Where's God working? Where's a good place to, you know, put our resources, our money to support in that way? Um, good to do. So, those are my thoughts. I have more thoughts, but that'll be for another Sunday. Let's stand to our feet. I wanted to close our time together this morning uh, with a song uh, that I sing once in a while with my pastor buddies on Tuesday morning. Um, some of them are a little older and grew up on hymns, so we sing a lot of hymns together. And this is one that so blesses my heart, and I feel like it really fits when it comes to the Great Commission. And I'd love to be able to sing that with you guys this morning. So I grabbed a video off the internet of it. It's kind of like a country swag feeling. If you get over that, it's a cool song. <laughs> cool. Well, Father, we are thankful just for the gift of this gospel. We are so thankful how your word, Lord, does change us God and we want our our thinking to be aligned with yours God we want our hearts to be changed that we can be more like you Lord to care to see as you do Lord we thank you that you so love this world that you gave your son Lord and that you've given your church Lord to your mission that all would come to a saving knowledge of you Lord we thank you so much for your heart. Help us to be about your business. Give us wisdom corporately as a church family, how we can be doing that, and also individually what you're calling us to. We love you. Pray you go before my brothers and sisters this week. Ask in your name. Amen.